Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Will you turn to your neighbor and just say, man, it's good to see you. Will you do that? Okay. If you said that to me like that, I would just be totally insulted, right? <clears throat> so I want you now on the count of three, I want you to say it like you really mean it, like you're really excited, even if you've got a lie. So here we go. One, two, three. Yes. So if you're a guest at Life Church, that's how we do it here every time. Amen? Amen. If you're a guest at Life Church, that's how we do it every time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. All right. Good. Just make sure everybody's awake. Everybody's awake. We're all good. Uh, man, this has been a great week. If you were able to join us for any of the revival night uh, with all the speakers and all of that, it was a great time. And uh, probably for me, one of the most awesome parts of it were seeing the number of, of kids, students. Uh, youth that were up front, they were in the altars and staying and just praying. And, and as a parent, I don't have any teenagers anymore, but as a parent, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, man, your kids can be in a lot of places, but when they're in the altars praying, that's kind of a really good thing. And amen. And uh, so again, and if you know, you can't make teenagers do anything they don't want to do. So, so you're no, that's, there's no hype on that. That's just them staying, lingering, praying, all of that. Every one of the speakers uh, commented on that uh, to me, just about how that, just to see that. And, and I, I encourage you, uh, if you're a mom or dad, uh, you've got uh, kids in elementary or in junior high, high school, I would send a thank you card to the kids pastor, the youth pastor, and Leah Seabach that you just saw on the screen just a minute ago. Uh, she oversees all the next gen. So she kind of works to facilitate all of that. If you, just to say thanks, doing a great job. We really appreciate what you're doing. And again, just, just a great week this week. And for those of you that are praying for my lost bag, it's still not emerged yet. I know, uh, it's gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. So anyhow, so I called and I said, well, they said last week it was in Oklahoma City and now they're saying, no, it was in Dallas. And then the next person told me, said, no, it's not in Dallas. We think it's in Phoenix. And then another person hung up on me and I didn't yell. I didn't, Tammy was in the car with me. I got my window. I, I just was like, and they're like, oh, they're, they're done. Okay. So anyhow, so uh, if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, you can watch the first 10 minutes of last week's message when I told the story that had absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. It was just therapeutic for me. So anyhow, uh, about my lost bag. And so um, we're still praying that it will come back. Anyhow, the prodigal bag. Okay, so we're ending this, this series today. So if you have your Bible, turn me to, the, to, to Luke, excuse me, to Jude. I'll get it right in a minute. I was going to say the gospel of, and it's not. So Jude, page 1,463. I don't know what it is. I just made that up. But wherever, it's in, it's in the New Testament right there before the end. And just turn to the book of Jude. It's one chapter. And uh, we're going to look at verses 17 through 25. We've been in this series. And, and the idea behind this series has basically been just to say, look, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, we're living in a very crazy world, uh, even inside the church and outside the church. And this is, book was written probably 60 A.D., uh, 50 AD, so somewhere in that, that vicinity. So, so within decades of Jesus dying on the cross and living for, uh, and living and dying and all, these people, many of which would have known him, seen him, firsthand experience. And um, so what's happened is, is that, uh, is that uh, they're, they're falling away and there's false doctrine. There's people inside the church who are saying, no, it's not really like that. No, God doesn't really, you know, it's, it's it just kind of editorial privilege, cutting things out of the Bible that they don't like 
and kind of putting their own thing there, having all kinds of different, more of a relative truth type of a mindset, not unlike today. And again, I don't mean to feel old school, but there are things that 30 years ago in the church, we were like, no, there's chapter and verse on this. And today we're like, well, maybe, maybe, and, and like we're the enlightened ones. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's another conversation for another day. But I'm preaching this series because I think it's important to understand two things. One is, this is humanity. And should the Lord tarry his coming for another thousand years, this will come and go. Two, God is very straightforward in his word of how we should handle his word and how we should live our lives, which again is according to scripture. And to be very aware of false doctrine, of people that would come into the church acting as though kind of sheep and wolves, wolves in sheep's clothing, kind of acting as though they're Christian, and that, but they're really deviant and deceptive and, and that the work of the enemy is that way. Because Jude is writing basically to first century New Testament Jewish believers. These would be the insiders of the insiders that knew better. But yet how we can just, well, I don't know about this and well, this and, and experience and life and all these things begin to shape our theology rather than just letting theology shape our life. And he concludes these verse, these last few verses of 17 through 25 that God knew that this life would be full of struggles, but he promised that he would be with us. He promised he'd protect us. He promised that he would preserve us. And in this sermon, we're talking about we are called as Christ followers to preserve to the very end, to persevere to the very end, to hold out and to keep the faith to the very end. So how do you preserve to the end? How do you live for God in a world that seems like it has turned its back? How do you live for God in a society that doesn't feel very godly? How do you raise godly kids in a very godless world? How, how do you do that? So glad you asked that question. I'm gonna give you four statements, come right directly from Jude 17 through 25. I'm gonna give you the statement if you wanna write it down and then we're gonna go right to the text and unpack it. First is to remember biblical truth. If you're gonna preserve to the end, You've got to remember biblical truth. Remember biblical truth. Look at verse 17, 18, and 19. He says, but you must remember. Everybody say remember. remember. Beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, quote, in the last time or in the last days, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these people who will cause divisions, Worldly people that are devoid of the spirit. They're devoid of God. He first of all tells us, don't be surprised, don't be shocked by false teaching, by people that come into the church, by people that come in that try to come up with all types of, of funky or weird or erroneous doctrines or, or theologies that basically are led away by their own ungodly passions, their own ungodly lust, their own sin behavior. Distortion and deception, uh, these are the right hand and the left hands of Satan himself. The, the, Satan's been using this distortion of scripture to distort, to pervert, or basically to deceive since the Garden of Eden. Again, I, I, part of this, you know how they, the phrase misery likes company. I mean, so, so if, if I know that everybody's dealing with the same thing I'm dealing with, a little bit it's like, right? So when you realize that the enemy of our soul has been doing what we see in our world today, even though it feels really new for us or really different for us, this has been going on since the beginning of time. There's nothing new. He uses these tactics to try to distort the truth, to try to twist the truth, try to pervert the truth, 
and ultimately try to deceive us. That's what's happening. So how do we combat that? We remember biblical truth. We lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, we would fall. It's not about Aaron. It's not about Life Church. It's about the Bible. It's about Jesus. It's about making sure that everything that I say and any pastor that you're listening to and any devotional that you're reading, any podcast that you're listening to, does it conform to scripture? This is really important because if we're not careful, what happens is we try to make scripture conform to us. That's dangerous because we're emotional beings. We're, we're, we're naturally, we'll naturally kind of veer. <laughs> we have a tendency that we're not quite in alignment. Have you ever noticed that? You just kind of veer towards whatever way you want and, and you kind of soften. We, we, we tend to judge in areas where we're strong. So we judge. So if, if, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I don't deal with cussing, I deal with, I, I'm, I judge all the people that cuss. All right. No, you understand what I'm saying? If I don't have a problem with swearing, I just judge, well, I can't believe that. And I don't know why, why that's your issue. But, but I, I deal with smoking. And so uh, because I deal with smoking, and you don't have to worry about it, I don't. I'm asthmatic. So I, I, that'd be a really bad combination. But, but if I dealt with smoking, there's like, well, but now smoking's okay, right? I mean, it's, it's natural, it's whatever. But not cussing, that's just foul and corrupt language. What's right and what's wrong? Well, we have a tendency to judge from our own strength, not from our weakness. Instead of just saying, what does God's word say? Forget what you think, forget what I think, forget what such and such church says. What does God's word say? And not the interpretation of God's word, not somebody's spin on God's word. I can take anything, anything, and any good, any good debater can take any piece of scripture and make it say what you want it to say. That's why he begins verse 17 with, but you must remember. You know this. You know this. This isn't rocket science. You know this. Remember what you've been taught. Remember how you've taught and trained. Remember how you've been brought. Remember God's word. Remember the simple. Remember the teachings. Don't make this complicated. Just remember. And so you, com you combat distortion and deception by reading God's word, by knowing God's word, and by living God's word. The truth, God's word, one and the same. The truth is God's word and God's word is the truth. And so the reality is, is that I know it, I live it, and I'm reading it. That's the reason why I'm so encouraging you, if you don't have a daily devotional, begin to read God's word. Just two chapters a day, the SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. It's on the Life Church app. It's, it's on the, it's on the Life Church, LifeChurchWI.com. It's right there on the website. Just walking through that, where every day I'm just going to read two chapters of God's word. I'm basically kind of, kind of hit the most of, of, of the Bible in a year by doing that. Not all of it, but most of it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to know it. How do I know it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And then I'm going to live it out in my life. I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to never to live it. So we remember biblical truth. The second statement, if you're taking notes, is remain in God's love. If you're going to persevere to the end, you've got to know biblical truth. But secondly, you've got to remain in God's love. This is very important. Remain in God's love. Look at verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. How do you remain in God's love? Verse 20 says you build yourself up in your faith. You remember you build yourself up that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life, that you're following him, that you're a Christ follower. How do you remain in God's love? You pray yourself up. 
There's times you don't feel like praying. Maybe you don't. I, there are days I don't feel like praying. There are days I feel like that my prayers just kind of bounce off the ceiling. And it's just like, where are you, God, in those moments? But I still go through that discipline of prayer. Why? Because discipline eventually will get to a place of delight. There are seasons in life where it feels very dry. And there are seasons that it feels very full and, 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 and flourishing. What's the issue? Is it God? No, it's me. It's my own human condition. It's my own humanity. Uh, and so what's interesting to me is that the seasons where I feel the driest and I feel like God is not speaking to me much at all are the seasons that typically when I'm preaching in those seasons, and I do that because it's, it's what I do. It's what my calling is. It's my job, for lack of a better term. This is when I get more responses from people to go, man, you were on. Man, that spoke to me. The times that I feel like that was an awesome message, that was a masterpiece. Like we should go, I should preach that again. You guys should just be excited that I'm the pastor. That's where I kind of get, eh, not really. It didn't really touch me much. Well, mm, it's just crickets. Really? So, so the point that I'm making to you is, is that we're just off. Why? Because we're humans. And so we're led by our emotions and we're led by our feelings and feelings will get us into trouble. We are not called to be led by feelings. We're called to be led by faith. And the faith is not in us, it's in the Lord. So we, we build ourselves up. We, we, verse 20 says, we, we pray up. We, we, we pray in harmony with the Holy Spirit. We're constantly just keeping that prayer and keeping that devotion. Then it, verse 21 says, we keep up. We keep up. What does that mean? We're maintaining and growing a flourishing relationship with God. But he also tells us there to, 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 to be waiting for the return of the Lord. We wait up. We stay alert and eagerly await the second coming of Jesus Christ when he will make all things new according to Revelation 21.5. There is coming a day, folks, where the, dead, the trumpet of the Lord will sound and time will be no more. And the dead in Christ will rise first, the Bible says. And those that remain will be caught up in the air and forevermore shall we be with Jesus. Are you ready for that? Are, are, you, are you ready for that? That's not no one else's business but yours about you. Are you living a life that if we didn't get to the end of this service, if I didn't get to finish my message, and the trumpet of the Lord would sound and time would be no more. Would you go? It's a sobering thought. And it's not a thought that we deal with a whole lot. And we used to, as Christians, especially in, in, in the world, we, we used to because this world was really not a great place to live. But what's happened with modern advancements and with money and with resources, we have a pretty good life. We, 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 I mean, we do like, you know, I mean, we, we live well, we eat well, life is pretty good. If it's that we want to hang on to it and, and I get all that, I'm not being morbid. I'm just saying we have a pretty good, it's, 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 but, 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 the, but the question is, is am I ready? Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I'm saved. That's how I know I'm ready. I can know that I'm ready. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I'm flawless. No, no, there's only one who was perfect and flawless and his name is Jesus. But by his grace, through faith in him, I'm saved. And you're saved. Not because I go to church, not because I'm a member of church, not because I give, but because I have confessed in my mouth and I believe in my heart and Jesus is my Lord, I can know. But do I live with that understanding? Do I live with that conviction? Do I live with that? That's what it means to remain in his love. That I live every day 
that today could be my last. I live every day in an anticipation that what God has done, that God, that, that, that it should the Lord come again, that it should today be the day, should this moment be the moment that I'm ready to go, that I'm in right relationship, that I'm ready to go, that I'm, I'm living every moment the way I'm, I'm raising my family, the way I'm loving my spouse, the way I'm living my life as unto the Lord, that I'm living every moment in such a way that I'm able to do just that. The third statement is to rescue the lost. If we're going to persevere to the end, we've got to be about the lost. We've got to rescue the lost. This is really important. Rescue the lost. Verse 22 and 23 says, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. We find it difficult many times to extend mercy until we remember the limitless mercy that God gave us. While we were yet sinners, that's when Christ loved us and died for us. Again, it's easy for me to judge you from my point of strength, not from my weakness. It's what we do. Well, I don't have that problem. I can't imagine he, why he has that problem, why she has that problem. And I don't know. Da, da, da. But we're not talking about your gossip issue, are we? Ooh, did I just say that? Is, it, is that too close? Because you talk about the lake of fire. He, just, he's, he talks about the fire there. By snatching them out of the fire. Between the adulterer and the whoremonger is the gossip. Sin is sin. And so the truth of the matter is, is that we're called to love people. We're called to show mercy on people. We're, we're, we're called to live and to serve others and to even save others. I love how he says that, to snatch them from hell itself. So the deal is we're not in denial that there's a hell that, that's, that's there. We're not, we're not in denial that, 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 that without Jesus Christ, we're all going to hell. We're not in denial of that because to be in denial of that would be in denial of the truth. And without the truth, there is no need to be saved. Therefore, we can save ourselves. Therefore, we're our own gods. That's, that, that's a lie of the enemy. Again, go back to Genesis. Adam, Eve, God just knows that you're going to be like him if you do this. No, it's disobedience, which is sin. And so sin comes in, and then there's a separation between you and God the Father. And it's all of this. And so, so, so the truth of the matter is, is that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, to use the old colloquialisms of, of old preachers. There, there is a day when we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for our life. There, there is that. So how should we treat people who, who are doubting? How should we treat people who are, who are in danger of hell's fire, according to what it's saying here? We should show mercy. We should show grace. We should show love. We should show compassion. We're not called to hate the sinner. We're not. And, and, and I'm going to unpack this for, for you because Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 22. He says this, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Who's them? People that are without Jesus. Verse 20, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. Verse 21, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I might by some means save some. We are called to reach the lost. Here's the problem. Here's the issue is that we have a hard time as people with paradoxes, with two seeming opposite um, ideas. This isn't a church issue, this is a people issue. 
We, we don't like, we, we in our world have decided we don't want binary choices because it's too limiting. So let's just have a plethora, a, a smorgasbord, whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever you think is right, whatever you just go on. There's not just one or two options. There's multiple options. And the truth is, is that the Bible says, no, it's pretty simple that there's heaven and there's hell. <laughs> there is right and there is wrong. There is truth and there is complete falsehood. It, it, there's not this, eh, I understand there's gray. I get that continuum. We can have that theological debate later. But the truth of the matter is, is typically everything falls on one of these two sides. And what happens is, is if we're going to hate sin, many times we hate the sinner. And the problem with that is, is that we push the world away that we're called to win, that we're called to love, that we're called to show mercy to. Because it's easier for me to go, well, this, I do this and I don't do this. Because what's difficult is for me to not sin, but yet love people who do sin. For me to, 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 to live a life that's pure, yet be around impure people in, in, in order that I might love them and then and they may see grace and that they may see the love of the Father through me and come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's like being on an airplane that's going down, not that I've been on one that's going down, but they always prepare you for that, right? With the mask and the oxygen deal and the oxygen mask, they tell you what? Put your own mask on first, then you help other people. But in the church, we're either all about helping other people and we're not taking care of us, or we're all about taking care of us and we forget other people. So you have two kinds of churches, especially in America. It's the holy huddle. It's just going to be about me. It's, I'm, I'm saved. I'm fine. My family's fine. We're not going to deal with lost people. We're not going to talk about this. We're just going to have red meat Christianity because people that need the milk of the word, people that don't even desire the milk of the word, they're worthless. It's all about people that can, <laughs> that can eat the meat of God's word. And we're going to be the mature Christ followers. And we're going to be it. Let everybody else figure it out for themselves. And then you got other people who are like, no, 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 we're not going to be about the meat of any of God's word. It's just going to be the milk. We're going to water it down. We're going to do this because we need to have more people and 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 more people. But we're not really going to develop any kind of maturity. Well, which one's right? Which one's wrong? They're both wrong. But because the reality is, is that we're called to take care of the 99, but we're also called to leave the 99 to go after the one. It's not an either or, it's a both and. We're, we're called to build up the mature and, uh, and among us, but we're also called to, to, be tent, to, to be attentive to those that need the milk of God's word so that everybody's ministered to. We're not called to be a young church or an old church. We're called to be the church. So that means grandma and grandpa and, and Uncle Bill and Aunt Lucy can come to church as well as, as, well as Jimmy and Sally and, and, and second and third and fourth generations. We're called to be the church. This isn't one demographic or one group of people. Or one, we're called to serve all people. We're called to love all people. We're not called to embrace their sin. No, because again, then if, if we're just embracing their sin, then what are we doing? That there's, no, there's a hellfire to, that he talks about in verse 21 that we need to be careful of, or verse 23, that we need to be careful of. But because of, of hell, because of sin, because that there is a hell to gain, uh, uh, excuse me, a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, we need to reach those people. We need to do everything that we can short of sin to reach people far away from God. So, so here's the reality. In the last probably 15 months, I have really had to, because the world in which we're living in, focus and refine some of what I've done as a pastor been here for, for two decades, almost 20 years. So the world is shifting and changing. God's word doesn't change. But, but the re reality is, is that I used to do it. Let me say it this way. I used to be like, well, if it's political at all, I don't touch it. 
until every moral issue known to man became politicized. And the things that politics did not get involved in 20 years ago are now involved in. And, and sin issues that politics never addressed 20 years ago now become issues. So I still don't like politics. I still don't like getting in the weeds and I still won't get into those weeds. But if it's an issue that we're dealing with in our world that is biblical, that is moral, that the Bible speaks to, then I have no other choice other than to wade into that and say, this is what God's word says, regardless what political affiliation. When the world comes in, so there's this ideology of being woke. And the problem with that is, is that it's, it's a twisting, it's a distorting from the enemy himself against really what God's called us to be, which is to be awakened. Our souls are dark in sin and degradation and Jesus Christ comes in and the light of the Holy Spirit shines upon us and we are awakened, which is a way deeper level. Wokeness is a surface level of niceness. Uh, being awakened is a true gifting and, 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 and fruit of the Holy Spirit of being kind towards people, showing true love towards people, helping people and serving people that are, that are different than I am and being attentive and, and doing exactly what Jude is saying, to rescue the lost, to show mercy to people who've lost mercy. It's not about a watering down. It's not about a letting up. It's truly about stepping into that, but in a way deeper level than, than gaslighting or virtue signaling or any kind of window dressing that goes on. No, this is a transformation of my heart. I do what I do because of my heart. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care how much money you make or don't make. I don't care whether you're for me or you're against me. You're made in the image and the likeness of God and God has a plan for you. And all I wanna do is show the love and the mercy and the grace. And if you doubt, I should show you mercy. And if you're lost, I should show you grace. I should do what Paul says to the church in Corinth. I should be all things to you that I possibly can be withholding sin that I might win you, that I might lead you to Jesus because I don't wanna see you dying and perish. And so the reality is, is that that's a much, amen. That's a much tougher tightrope to walk than before. Okay. And there are moments, trust me, there are moments where I just want to like get a, get a three-piece polyester suit and, and, a, and a tent and I'll start doing old school Billy Graham crusades. I mean, they're, they're, I have those moments in my mind sometimes just like going, this world's going to hell in a handbasket and this is what we need to do. But I believe the local church is the hope of the world. Why am I preaching to you? Because you get to do what I wish I could do. And that is work and live in a secular marketplace and show people what an awakened person looks like. And let the love and the glory of God, not the love and the glory of Aaron, but the love and the glory of God flow through me to touch somebody else, to see life turned on. Because they're looking for what you have. They just don't know it. They're blind and they can't see. They don't know what the trees look like. They, they don't know what the sky looks like. They don't know the beauty that's around them because they're blind. They don't know what it's like to be free. They don't know what it's like to, 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 to in, in him we live and we move and we have our being and that we're set free. They don't understand that. They, that. That's a foreign concept. They've never been in a place with God the creator touching them the creation and life begins. They don't know that, but that's what we're called to do is to reach the lost. So what that means is, is that in this day and time, I've got to serve up, up, up the, the, the red meat for those of you that are mature in your faith, the 99, and make sure you're taken care of. But I've also got to make sure that I'm also serving up that bread of life hot and fresh for people who are eating this old, moldy, stale stuff that they think is okay, but it's not. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you, you go through a drive-thru and you see, the, you see the board right there and you see all the beautiful pictures of how those hamburgers look. Do they ever look like that when you get them? No. Like I was at Dairy Queen this week and I'm pretty much a Dairy Queen aficionado and they got a new person doing it. It's still great ice cream, but they don't have that swirl right. You know what I'm saying? Like they need to go back to swirl school. You know what I'm talking about? Like I almost handed it. I was 30 minutes in line last night. No joke, 30 minutes in line. Don't hate me because you ain't me. 30 minutes in line to get my... It's $2.51 right now. It went up. Inflation is real, folks. I'm just telling you. It used to be $2.20. So anyhow, and I was just like, that's all lumpy. And it tasted good, but it was like, that did not like the picture. That's what the world gets. They get sold a picture that the enemy tries to deceive them inside the church and outside the church. It'll be like this. It's okay. It's okay. Until they get it and they're like, this isn't what I ordered. This isn't what I got. You know, it doesn't matter. You can go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac filet of fish, quarter pounder french fry, icy Coke, thick shake, Sunday apple pie, and a small Diet Coke to cancel out the calories. It doesn't look like it does on the picture. And it tastes even worse, amen? Can I get a witness? But, but with Jesus, it's fresh and new every single morning. His mercies never run dry. Great is his faithfulness. So you and I are called to step into arena, being maybe we might get canceled. Okay, maybe we might get marginalized. Okay, maybe we might get forgotten. Okay, maybe we might be dubbed wrong. Maybe we might be misquoted, but we do this not in ourselves. We do this to try to save others by snatching them out of the fire, Jude says by literally going in and having mercy on, on those who have doubt and by going into them and loving them right where they are. That's what we're called to do. And I'm preaching way better than you're shouting. And the fourth is to rejoice in your own salvation. Rejoice in your salvation. I love these two verses. Verse 24 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To who? To the one and only God. Who is he? He is our savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. God is able. Amen. He is able. He is able to keep you, the Bible says right there. He is able to sanctify you. He is able to save you. We should never live in fear. I'm, I'm gonna get you happy in a minute. I'm gonna preach you happy. I don't care how, what, what time it goes on that clock. The faster you get happy, the faster we get out of here. Amen. Oh yeah, that's what we're talking about. Here's what I'm saying is, at the end of the day is this, is that we live in a world, especially as Christians, that we just kind of go, the world's falling apart, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and it's all crazy and what's going on with this and what's going on with that and what happened here and what happened there and we wake up and like, what kind of world did we wake up in? And, and, and those of you that are like me, that you were kids of the 80s, you're like, man, we used to talk about how the 80s were so bad, but the 80s seemed like, it seems like, it seems like the, the leave it to beaver days, right? I mean, it just seems like ever just, whoa, that was just easy and nice and safe and good and, BMX bikes, amen, and, 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 and all of that. And, and, but, but, the, but the truth of the matter is, is that, is that if we're not careful, we'll pull back. Let's just go off the grid. Let's just get away from this crazy world. And we'll just, and the enemy wants you to do that. Just have this little holy huddle and, and let's just preach to red meat Christians and let's, let, let's just do this and let's just forget about the world and kind of go to hell with the world because, because we're just gonna try to save ourselves. And that, but we're not called to that. 
because we serve a God who is able, able to do what? He's able to keep you. He's able to sanctify you. He's able to save you. You've been called to be salt in a tasteless world, in a saltless world. You've been called to be light in a very dark world. And so greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so he has the ability to give you the ability to go into the marketplace, to go into your business, to go into your high school and to live for him. Oh, are you gonna be persecuted? Probably. You're gonna be made fun of? Probably. Marginalized? Probably. But you serve a God who can set you before kings, who can set you before people of power, who can open any door, shut any door, and the enemy cannot stop him. No one can stop him because he's God. He has no beginning, he has no end, and he's your Lord and Savior. Oh, but I'm just worried, pastor, about my kids. Then pray over them. Quit worrying, pray over them. Lay your hands on those kids and pray over them and let them roll their eyes, but there'll come a day that they'll go, I remember my mother praying. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I used to, I used to come home and mom would have some prayer meeting going with these, these women in the church and they'd be all praying. We usually pray for my brother who was sinning, but they were praying. And you ask my brother the same thing. We'd be like, oh my goodness. But those prayers, my brother would tell you later on, every time he was in his sin and he was in the middle of his junk and in his pig pen, the Holy Spirit would bring that back. You've got a mother who loves you, that's praying for you and interceding for you and won't let go of you. He said, it didn't matter where I went, Aaron, mom's prayers were always there. I heard her, I heard her, I heard her. It didn't matter how I railed at her. It didn't matter how I yelled at her. It didn't matter what I did, her prayers were there. I'm telling you, it formed me as who I am to see a dad who opened God's word and a mom who prayed and they were not pastors. They were just people in the church. But that's what you do. You pray over them and then you send them out. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will go around them. God knows. He knows. He knows. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. He loves your kids more than you do. And that's hard for you to imagine. It's hard for me to imagine. But he knows. Wow, he knows. If we could ever get a hold of that, how fearless would we be? We need men and women to be like Ben and I in the Old Testament that would go into a pit on a snowy day and chase down the lion and come out with its carcass. We need men and women of God that will stand up against the, the lion and the bear and chase them down when they try to come against the people of God. We need men of God that will stand up and go, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that exalt his name for the name of the power and the glory of God and stand there and call him on it. We need people full of the Holy Spirit, full of the passion of God camera guys, you got to keep up with me. I'm moving fast. We got we to have people that are doing that. Why? Because we know that our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless in the presence of the almighty God. Amen. Amen. So I'm not working in fear. I'm not living in fear. I refuse to live my life in fear. The phrase that we find more often than not in scripture is fear not. The only person we're called to fear is God the Father. And that's a healthy reverence. That's it. I'm not fearing you. I'm not fearing the world. I'm not fearing the economy. Do I have opinions about all of that? Yeah. But guess what? I'm not gonna fear because my hope is in the Lord. So when everybody else is losing their stuff around us, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Because we celebrate right there, it says his glory. We celebrate his majesty, that he's supreme. We celebrate his dominion, that he's, his sovereign reigns and has no boundaries. We celebrate his authority, that he is over this entire creation, over this entire world.
Oh, but Aaron, don't you realize, man, this world is with global, global warming and with things that are going on and sustainability and things. I mean, I, you know, this apocalyptic and everything. Can I just tell you, I believe we should have responsibility in our world in which we live in. I believe, because again, the book of Genesis says that Adam's job, we as mankind are here to have dominion and to subdue and to lead on this planet. It's a stewardship. But nothing's going to happen here until God is done. Do you understand this? To say that you're going to be the one that's going, because when in the Old Testament, when the earth was flooded, God gave a promise to man that I will never destroy this earth again by water. Now we know in Revelation it will be destroyed by fire in the end. But not until, not until God has ready to take his church on, the judgment has happened, and then there's a new heaven, a new earth, according to Revelation 21, 22. What am I saying? I'm just saying this. Here's the deal. This earth, Psalm says it groans because it was never created to deal with the pains of sin that it deals with. God's still in control. And that you and I or any person or any principality or any darkness cannot violate God's timing and his place and how it's gonna be done. So I'm not worried about that. You know what I do? I just make sure my heart's right. When that trumpet sounds or when I go by the grave, however I go, that I'm ready to meet Jesus. Again, I have no fear of this world, only of the Lord. Because his, his rule, the Bible says, is eternal. It will never, ever end. So today, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to stand up all across this room, if you would. And the band's going to come and they're going to make their way out. They're going to lead us in one kind of anthem and song. And then Ryan's going to dismiss us.